When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 152 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Joining myself and Pete today from the the Big Fight Weekly is is Chris Hume. Chris, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Um, it's like a, another time I've come on here. I've had a, a lump sum of uh, lump sum of fights going on the day before. And yeah, it was a busy night, wasn't it, last night as well? As there was a bit of boxing. Uh, I, I saw, well, if you, if you can call it, boxing with, with Jake Paul yeah. against uh, Anderson Silver. Obviously, Casey yeah. was on, wasn't she, as well? Um, can't remember. What's his name? Was it what we fought um, Lomachenko yesterday? Lomachenko, there we go. Just, just slip your mind totally there. Uh, I was going to call him Michalenko for a second. Uh, but that That's... was uh, he, he played. He played a bit earlier on. So, yeah, yeah. Lomachenko was back in the ring after his, his stint with the Ukrainian army. So, yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of fights going on last night. That's for sure. Uh, but glad to have you on. Um, Lee's Lee's um, just said the night off air. Then Lee's gone to gymnastics, so uh, we're not sure if he's taking part or not. So keep your eye out in the northwest tonight tomorrow for for how he how he gets on. It is uh, is all I say. But he's, he's apparently he's not bad on the horse. So we'll uh, we'll keep a little eye out for that tomorrow. Um, but but great to have you on the show. And Thank you know you. it's. Uh, <laughs> A lot of people just be a little bit, a little bit funny, haven't they, in regards to um, yesterday's performance against Fulham? Mixed reaction, it's fair to say. Um, obviously, nil-nil draw. Certainly, points away from home cannot be sniffed at. And we we mentioned ourselves over the last last couple of weeks or so. If we can from last week from Palace onwards, if we can pick up points in all those games, whatever whatever manner that may may uh, may come in, then Chris, it's got to be seen as overall for me. It's got to be seen as quite a positive outcome, hasn't it? I think so, because I mean, if you look back at our stats when it comes to playing any clubs away in London, they're not fortuitous, are they? We usually cock up against London clubs away. So to go away as well as Fulham, you know, they're flying high. They they won they won three 0 didn't they, midweek? So you know they were on one as well. So to come away, you know, with a point, I I, I take that. I think it's more for confidence, you know, and we kept a clean sheet. You know, it looked like someone swapped Mitrovic's boots up for bananas for most of the game. So that was, you know, we were lucky there. But I, I take it as a positive. You know, I mean, last season we, we couldn't buy a point, you know, let alone a win away in any game. So, you know, you look at Leeds, Brentford and Fulham. 
all tough teams in their own, you know, in their own way at home as well, especially. And, you know, we've taken three points away, you know, three points from them together. Like, so I think it's a positive and I think, you know, just builds more morale for us, doesn't it really going forward? Of course, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, of course it does. And, you know, last season you, you look at that kind of game, whether it's a, a newly promoted side or not, just an away game in general. And Everton massively struggled to, to pick points out of games. You know, we think back to, you know, Leicester where we got we got three points and the Watford nil nil, which was, was was a poor game last season. But even under Frank Lampard, we really, really struggled to pick up points away from home. And so far this season, obviously we've got a winner Southampton. We've got now three draws with Brentford Leeds and also against Fulham. Um so not, not a not a, a bad return in general. And against the Fulham side, by the way, we were the first side to stop them scoring at home, which which is a positive in itself. But but Pete, we've got to we've got to pull on those those positive aspects. I mean, we're going to obviously unravel some of the maybe the the, the lack of attacking intent at times, I'd say yesterday. But we've got to look at those positives, hold on to them and look to build and, and go forward into into next weekend, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean I, I completely agree with um Lampard's post match comments that last season we would have lost that game by a couple of goals. Um I, I mean it was a bit of, it was a bit of a tale tale of two halves for us, wasn't it? You you came in at half time and felt if we're a little bit more clinical, we could have got one or two ourselves. Um, I know maybe we rode our luck at times, so we had to, we had to be de- defensively tight because the game really opened up, didn't it? After about 25, 30 minutes, there was a bit of a mad so last 15 minutes of the first half. And then second half, we just never seemed to get going, did we? Um, re- really struggled to get out, ended up quite deep, never really got our foot on the ball. Um, and even when we went 4-4-2 for the last period of the game, attacking wise we we just couldn't seem to find ourselves we couldn't get any momentum so i think in the grand scheme of things it's it's a very good point um and another you know another really solid uh d- defensive performance um uh, you know and jordan pickford again you know again excellent you know he gets so much press when he you know he might make a mistake that gets highlighted but he, no way no way does he not get enough press when um, he puts in a performance like that you know he made five or six really solid saves. I thought he commanded his area. I thought he, his distribution was generally very good. A couple that went out of play, but it was another really, really solid um, 19 minutes from him. I think that's what we're coming to, uh, coming to expect from Jordan Pickford and I've done for quite a long time now. I mean, that, that save from William was was unbelievable, by the way. And, and for me, you, you're going to have to go a long way to find a better save this this month. You know, I know he won save in the month, didn't he, for it? Is saving the Merseyside derby uh, when he tipped the Nunes shot onto the bar. But I think looking at that, William six yards out there, he's turned quickly. Got lucky with the, the little ricochet off, off Tarkowski, wasn't it? But he's got lucky. He's turned sharply. That's a great save, by the way, with his with his top hand. And, and he, I don't even think he got enough, enough praise for it last night because I thought it was absolutely exceptional. And then was it the header as well? Mitrovic header tipped it over the bar. Great save again. It was probably dipping in. That's just Jordan Pickford and, and, and how he's been. And you know, fair, fair play to him. Uh, he's, he's he's in great form, and I think I think us coming away with a clean sheet. I think a lot of that coincides with yeah, okay. We, we said it time and again how much we've improved defensively, but that that also counts for Jordan Pickford's form as well. You know, he he is a, a lot more stable as a goalkeeper. He's I'd say he's a lot more commanding. I think the back four trust him, which is which is really important. And I think it all coincides. So even when teams are getting over twenty shots a game off against us. When you've got a goalkeeper who's in form, who's maybe saving things that you could you could you could maybe argue he's got no right to save, 
then it puts you in a good position to to go on and pick up points in the game. But but that first half, Chris, you know, Pete Pete said it there. You know, we had a, a bit of a, an attack and intent. It was end to end at times. I thought Everton started, you know, particularly well. Uh, we had was that that the migration shot that the goalkeeper tipped over. Dominic Calvert Lewin is going to be disappointed not to have put that uh, that the migration cross in. You know, it was a great great ball, and maybe if he's you know a little bit much sharper, he, he puts it away. But the first half. Fulham had chances, which obviously we've alluded to already, but Everton really should have put on those chances away, shouldn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think we 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 always start off really well, a lot faster, don't we? Um, more so this season with with Lampard and and you know, I mean, we got to when we're playing away and you know, I mean, and as we discussed, you know, our way form has always been a bit sketchy, hasn't it? Especially in London, we're given those opportunities, we we have to sort of take them away because you know, I mean, you look. The second half, and we, we sort of we did ride a luck a lot, but you know we defended really well. But you know in these situations, if we could have sneaked one in, I say if Gray or Calvert Lewin got one got one of them in, I mean then we had something to hold on to, that wouldn't we really? And it'd been a bit more joyous then that you know okay we would have been a bit of a smashing grab, but yeah we just gotta we just gotta take those opportunities when they come about. Um, but I think in time you know I mean things will click. I think you know every, everyone's still sort of learning to play with each other, especially the, the newer players. I think obviously Calvert Lewin's got to sort of, as you said, then is get to his match smart smartness, did it? Match sharpness, sorry, and, and you know, and then he'd be putting them away. I've I've got um, all confidence in you know in Calvert Lewin refining him, himself from when Angelotti was in charge. I think well, we know that there's a player there, and it, it was great to see him get his goal last week against Crystal Palace, and you know another 90 minutes under his belt again against Fulham will we'll do him the absolute world of good. That's his first 90 minutes he's completed, I think, off the top of my head. I thought he, he obviously he was uh, he was taken off against Palace, wasn't he? So he, he got 90 minutes under his belt for the first time in a long, long time. So it's it, it's great for him to, to actually complete a full game. Um, but what, what I will say, Pete, one thing that people I don't think really notice with Dominic Calvert-Lewin is how good his runs are. And if you look at him, I know he's, he's offside quite often at times, but I think, I mean, the Awobi ball second half where, where Dom gets the shot off, Leno saves it and he, and he sticks the rebound in. I think his runs are very, very clever. And I think sometimes our midfielders and those who are feeding the ball to him, I've got to get on the same way as him because he makes, for me, particularly good, sharp and clever runs, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I, I completely agree. I know exactly what you're talking about because going back to the, the Palace game, there were several times in that match where players hesitated giving him the ball quickly, you know, for whatever reason. I, I think there's quite a clear example second half um, in the in the Palace game where you know Dom ended up having words with Mikhailenko because he just wanted to feed him through quicker. Yeah. Um, so you're you're absolutely spot on. His you know his, his runs his runs are sharp and his runs are clever, but he needs that ball being fed through quickly and that plays to his strengths because he's so strong and he's so quick and you want your striker to play on instinct um, and you know one or two touches or you know taking four or five seconds to think about it before you release the ball is the difference between getting closed down by the centre half or being offside um, and I think we I think we saw maybe two or three of those yesterday but as, as well, maybe also there's a little bit of a sharpness factor as well. He's still, you know, getting back to full fitness, full sharpness. Uh, you know, I'm sure um, over time his runs will get better as well. And more, go- more goals will come. Like like you said, Mike, the number one priority with him is just keeping fit. 
keep him fit, and, get him strong, get him confident, and he'll start scoring again. But but I think as well on on that on that front, obviously if we keep him fit, he can then start to build those those relationships with the midfield players because we we've obviously we have got some players who were who are new to the to the club who who maybe don't know Dominic Calvert Lewin as a player as such, know what is you know totally what his best attributes are and. And you know when to play that ball, and, and I think that will come also with, in time as well. Building the relationship, playing more and more football with those players around him, um, because we know how good he can be as uh, as, as he proved under under Carlo Ancelotti, and very much you know as a as a sort of six eight yard out striker. That's that's when he's at his best, and like you say, playing on instinct, but making those runs and making sure that the players because we've got players with quality. I mean, Alex be has been our best player this season. He, he can he can pick a pass with the best of them. So it's just about you know getting into that rustiness. Players get onto the same wavelength, and I think then we'll start to see a, a bit more of a, a prolific Dominic Calvert Lewin. That's for sure. But obviously, we mentioned that the game was was a game of two halves, as, as people quite often say. And the second half, we we certainly didn't hit hit the heights in any way, shape, or form of the first first half in an attacking sense. Um, I thought Mitrovic, on the whole, I think he played Connor Cody very, very well. He's a big lad, of course, but I think Connor Cody, because he was the one, if you watch, he was going with Mitrovic quite often. He was quite often sort of going man to man, but Mitrovic was also pulling on Connor Cody because he he knows out of him and Tarkowski, the more physical of the two is James Tarkowski, and he's and he's probably stronger. And Cody, that's the first time really Cody's ever has, has lost a battle, I think, for us. Because when Tarkowski went towards Mitrovic, quite often he was winning the ball. He was a little, little bit more physical. But we, we've got to discuss it. Um, Mitrovic should have been on the pitch. Let, let, let's get that right. First half, Chris, when he makes that tackle on the Gisagala game. And no one, no one sitting here saying there was any kind of malice because there wasn't. You know, you can quite easily see he's gone for the ball. Garner's got a little bit lucky, really. And, you know, he, he nearly lost it and just nipped in. But we've got to look, look at the consistency of refereeing once again in, in the Premier League. And that has, well, it's probably the most nailed on red cards you're likely to see after the Virgil van Dijk potential red card on Amadou and Ali, isn't it? It's frustrating because I was watching, I was looking at a post today on Twitter and they, um, I think it was from the Toffee Blues and they had a, like a slideshow and it said spot the red card. And they obviously they had Mitrovic, uh, van Dijk's and then... Uh, I think you know, obviously Ireland's against Newcastle last season, and it and you look at them and they, you know, they're all quite zoomed in, and it, it's equally frustrating because we saw I think it was at Man City Newcastle when I think it was at Kieran Trippier did the same tackle pretty much, and got a red card then got it changed to a yellow. But as we're going back to this one, it, it's frustrating because it, there's no consistency, and and they are these are tackles yeah okay the, they there was not much power in it and it, it's not done deliberately. They can, you know, I mean, that could have put Garner out for say, you know, three, four months. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are, they are potentially really bad tackles, but the referee and the VAR as well quickly just dismiss it. It's frustrating, as you said, it. Van Dyke did the same against Donana, and it's if if you're Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal's City, and that happens to one of their players, and, and it's one of our players doing so, you know, for a while that's coming back as a red card. You, mm. you you just have that you know that that feeling immediately in, inside your head, and it it's just frustrating that we seem to get all these dog decisions by referees when it comes to that. Was it Gibbs who was the last person to be sent off against us? Um, West Brom was when um, 
we, I think we beat them six two, didn't we? And is it, yeah, I think I think as well. I think if you want to want to put that into into games, is it one hundred and two games that I read this morning? Uh, since one hundred and one games, so it hasn't been an opposition player since off against Everton in the last one hundred and one games, which is an incredible stat. When you look at, I think it was it was it was friend of the show, uh, Jim Jim Keoghan put that that slide that picture up with those five those five different incidents, and he said spot the red card or which one was yeah. the red card, or, you know whatever it might be, and. Obviously, the the Alam one was the in Newcastle was given obviously as a, as a red card, and you look at look at the rest of them. I mean, we we've spoke about it on the show numerous times. The, the tackle on Anthony Gordon from John Joe Shelby, the tackle yeah, on Anthony Gordon from Andre Ayew, the tackle from Virgil Van Dijk on, on Onana, and the one obviously yesterday on on Adjusagana Gay, and those four were all one hundred percent red cards any day of the week. And yes, again, we don't get it. And what, what drives me nuts, Pete, is, is this line that they, that they pedal out. Because this was the official line, the same line that was used when Virgil van Dijk got away with the ball against, against Onana. And it was, there, was a, there was, wasn't enough intensity in the tackle. So, that, so just because his leg wasn't broken effectively, there wasn't enough intensity in the tackle. So now, that for me, how on earth you can say that and, and make that assumption when you see the tackle, that is that is incredible, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, there was enough intensity to put him down. How much, like you said, how, much, how much more do you want? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I, I said, I said right at the time, he's he's over he's over the top of the ball. So mm-hmm. if you're over the top of the ball, you're out of control. So yeah. it, you know, discussion over. It, it's as simple as that. If you if you're over the top of the ball, he's he's gone over his ankle. He's not got the top of his foot. He's gone over his ankle. Now, now on the leg, <laughs> that's, that's that's off the foot. It's it's out of control. It's dangerous. Like like you said, intent and intensity shouldn't come into the picture. Cause it, it it's out of control. It's a dangerous challenge. It would be an unfortunate red card. You you know, is it, you might even feel a little bit for him. But it was a decision that went against us. Um, and. and just on, on the note you were saying about the the battle sort of between Mitrovic and Cody, I, I thought it was really interesting actually because watching the game, he had that many chances. I thought this is going to come back to haunt us. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a typical Everton. He shouldn't be on the pitch, and he's you know he's going to score the he's going to score the winner. Um, but I, I, I actually disagree with you slightly. I, I thought he was really really clever. He's just such a handful to play against because if, if you're watching what he did, he went tight to Cody and then he pulled off. It, it just mm-hmm. his movement was phenomenal. The amount, of, the amount of chances he made for himself ju- just by peeling off the defender and and playing between Cody and Tarkovsky, they didn't know they didn't know who to pick up. I think the thing with Mitrovic is I think he's got a bit of a not not, not a bad reputation, but they, they always say he as a Premier League striker he struggles, but he's great in the Championship. So we found it hard I think the last time to to replicate that kind of form. You look at him so far this season, he scored countless goals. That's that's the first time I've really watched him. Obviously, yesterday against us, and he was a massive handful. He looks like an, an absolute unit, by the way. He looks so difficult to defend against. I thought we haven't got with Connor Cody because Connor Cody's not as big as him and he's not, not as strong as him. And sometimes you come, you come up against attackers who who do get the better of you. That's just football, you know. But I think that you know pe- people look at the at the pass with Mitrovic and, and give him a bit of a, a bad reputation and don't show him any kind of respect and. Really, you know, he's going to be disappointed he hasn't scored. I think he had 10 shots yesterday and didn't score a goal, which is is an unbelievable record. But I think 
that, you know, on another day, maybe one or two of those would, would have gone in if it wasn't for the likes of Jordan Pickford. Um, as I say, I think it, that there was some some really good good blocks in there. Michalenko, I thought, was, was exceptional yesterday defensively. We all know he's strong defensively, but I think when we, we have a game where we, we do spend quite a bit of time defending, you see the best of him. But then you also saw him, that, that, little, that little move down the left-hand side when he got the shorts pulled back, when he beat, he beat the, uh, it was a Cordoba really, went past him. You know, we, that's in his locker, but he plays a little bit of confidence. We, we, we do see him get forward a little bit more. Because um, against Palace, I thought attacking, he was showing a bit more of an attacking intent then. But I thought he was exceptional. You know, his block and his tackling was very, very good. Um, but I, I think the, the important thing for, for me to take from, from the game is that we, we can't expect to, to rock up to, to these grounds, whether it's Fulham, you know, Southampton, Brentford, Leeds, whatever it might be, and expect to win the game and, and to steamroll the sides. And that is just where we are, in my opinion. Everton are an average football side. You know, we're we're hopefully going to be in the round mid-table, which we've said before will, will be, I, I think, a, a real positive improvement and, and reflection of where this side and who this side actually are. So Everton can't go to, to these kind of grounds and expect it to, to bat aside. We're not that kind of team at this moment in time. What what we need to build to, which the minds have got absolutely spot on. He says last week, he said we got all the plaudits against Palace, rightly so. You know, it was it was we played really well. He said, but I don't get carried away. It's, it's, we won a game of football. There's a lot of work to do. You go on to the next game, and the manager says, I don't get carried away with with one win. You know, we we had got deplored us last week. We were nowhere near that level against Fulham. You come away with a point. Overall, you know, you're happy with the point, and that's that. And and, and we've got a we said it a few times about about sort of tempering our expectations as fans. You've got to remember where we were last season. We were on the brink of relegation and survived with one game to go, effectively. You know, we've shipped a lot of players out. We've brought quite a few players in. It's a massive transition, you know, compared to the back end of last season compared to now. So we've got to remember, Chris, haven't we, that, you know, we are at a particular level. It is going to take time to build. And, and more importantly, it's going to take time for Everton to become a consistent Premier League side where we can string together two or three really good performances. Yeah, I think everyone wants to go back to, you know, the the the, the positive Moyes days where we were finishing fifth and sixth every other season. You know, we weren't out the top half where we for a long time we under David Moyes, but he built and was given time to build a squad. And I think, you know, if Lampard is the same mould and, and I like what Lampard says and you know he, he understands what we we think and we feel then I think, you know, we will get there eventually. And I think, you know, he's doing it slowly but surely. You know, we all saw ourselves when we have done for the last couple of years, you know, what we needed and what needed to change. And he's done that by bringing in Tolkowski, Connor Cody, bringing back uh, Drissa Gay, uh, bringing in fresh face like Unana, who's going to learn from Drissa Gay, you know, and then James Garner as well, who's, you know, behind them. And then you've got, you know, Nathan Patterson. So, you know, I mean, you can see the similarities between what Moyes did back then to what Frank Rampard's doing now. And I think you're right where I think we should sort of not go hammer and tom when we go away thinking, oh, we're going to smash these, smash them. We haven't been like that for a very long time. I think Burnley was the last um, team we've been away and we've actually literally smashed, you know. Mm. And you're right, it's, it's got to temper our expectations a bit. And, and I think, you know, if people aren't happy with 
not going to Fulham and beating Fulham, then you know, I mean, they need to give themselves a bit of a reality check because I, I, I myself, my own opinion now is, I see that as a fantastic point. We're not going to go away, as you said, and 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 play teams away and and, and come away fantastic result, and it's not going to happen all the time. We might get the odd one here and there currently, but you know, going forward, if, if Lampard's allowed to have time and um, as you say ship the players he doesn't want out and we know a lot of players that he's got rid of we're quite happy with to see the back end of I think we'll be fine and I think in a couple of years in a couple of more windows you know we'll, we'll be in the right place he's, he's the back in the midfield at the moment where the ones that need you know the positions that we need to sort he's gone out and sourced that and we look really good between defence midfield you know it's just further up the pitch now we just need to evolve well, and and that, that that's important that we discuss obviously that that final fair because yesterday like we said second half was a, a bit of a it was black and white wasn't it it's sort of night and day between first and second half in in an attacking sense and for me almost I, I think we get into a headspace Everton where we get halfway through the second half and if we're sitting on a draw for example we then go into ourselves and think we'll have this, we'll take a point. I think that's a mentality thing that, not so much from the manager, because he did allude to it last season as well. He really tries to say to the players, you know, you've got, you can't just sort of sit on something, so to speak. Um, but I think the players have still, there's still the core players who were there last season have still got that, what we have, we hold mentality, I think. So we get so far into the second half, and it's like, right, we, we'll sit there. And we said to repeat where we got that throw in, it stop its time in the corner, right, oh, right okay. by the Fulham box, and you think it's okay. Look, either someone take a long throw in and put them under a bit of pressure, or try and get a cross into the box. And we we went back to Jordan Pickford from a, a throw in the corner, and it was just strange, wasn't it? Really strange, but it shows the mentality for me. I, 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 yeah, I couldn't get my head around that. What was that? Eight, Eighty-five minutes. I think it was late. I think it was stoppage time. I think was it was stoppage time. Yeah, yeah. I can remember it was McNeil in the corner. So you you, you think you've got almost like dead ball specialist, haven't you? Take the short throw and get it in. And at that point, we're four four two. Yeah, we've got two yeah. strikers, and yeah, it went all the way back to Jordan Pickford, and it, it's it's hard to to get your head around that decision. But like like you say, is it you know does it come from a place of just wanting to protect a an away point when We've had a second half where really we've we've not had much uh, momentum. Um, and look at the risk of stating the obvious, but I, I do think it's such a crucial point. It's a front line that's lost for Charleston. Yeah, it's an unchanged front line. Yeah, arguably our you know our one of our hardest workers you know across that sort of front three or four. You know, he turned up with the the vast majority of our goals. Um, last season, and on his days, a player who's absolutely unplayable, and you know that's been deducted from our squad, and we've you know for, for a number of reasons haven't been able to um, effectively address that. So I, I think again, it, you know, fans just need to maybe temper their expectations a little bit, and it's it's clearly playing a role. Let's give him time. There wasn't. I mean, I mean, we gave him all his time, and look what he built. And you know, and he was on. He had less money to spend. And, and I, I, you see the the shine from Lampard, but you get the same feeling what Moyes had. I know Roberto Martinez, and he sold us fantastically. You know, what I mean, you got behind Martinez just because of the way he, you know, sold Evan to us. You know, resold Evan to us again. But what you see with Lampard is, you can see what he's trying to do, and. And he is trying to evolve Everton, but it's not something that happens overnight. It's not happened, you know, two windows, three windows, four windows. Gradually, we get 
you know, to the point where we can get back to the Everton that we're finishing, you know, fifth and sixth. Obviously, that's going to be a lot harder than it was back then. But I think, you know, people need to sort of just slow it down and, and just, you know, take Lampard as as he is and, and not be so ag- aggravated when, you know, we are drawing or we do lose. So just on, on, on that point, Chris, because I know we're talking about the, I guess, the upper third of the of, of the pitch. But after 13 games under Rafa, we conceded three or more goals three times. We conceded 20 goals and we'd only kept three clean sheets. Whereas this season, we've never conceded um, more than two goals. Total goals conceded 12 and we've kept four clean sheets. You know, and that's that's including games against, you know, obviously, you know, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, United. Yeah. It, well, this is this is what I was trying to say last night on social media. You know, and it's we, we can always, and that's all. Obviously, we, we all sit here and we, and we all pick performances, and we're going to discuss the the attackers after after the, at the break in a minute. But if you look at that defensive, uh, those defensive stats. 12 games, uh, 13 games played, 12 goals conceded. That's a far cry from last season when it was 38 games played and 68 goals conceded. So that that that, that is a massive. I know we're only partially partially uh, partway through the season, but that's some change that for me. You know, when when we shipped so many goals, it, it was quite embarrassing at times last season that the number of goals that we conceded, even under Frank Lampard. You know, the the pressure the side was under. Unable to handle the pressure at times. We what we shift we shift five against against Spurs, didn't we? Were we were we were massively open, um, and you know we we shift three at home to Brentford. If if we if we remember that that game correctly, even the game we, we actually beat Palace in, we we still could see the two goals in that game, and you know we we were wide open time and again. But I think we we've got to we've got to understand that, you know we. And we said it over the last few weeks. We he's looked at the defense. He's seen that as the priority. He certainly brought in the right characters, which is really important, and the right level of player. Who were, you know, the, the two lads at the, in the, at the back in the middle are both leaders, fantastic examples of, of professional footballers and professional centre halves, and, and both in with a great shout of going the World Cup, by the way, and both would deserve it on, on their recent performances. Um, so he's addressed that situation. He's given them a little bit of a of a support in front with the two Sagan again. Obviously, Ognara is sitting there now as well. Um, so you've got those kind of players. We know that the final third is our biggest issue. We know that. You know, we've got, we've scored 12 goals, haven't we, in 13 games. Not, not a not a great return, really. But we've picked up points. We've picked up 14 points. So we've got to look at that as well. But the the attacking side of things, they did look to address that further in the transfer window. It didn't quite work out. Obviously, we've got the Mari Gray and Anthony Gordon as our wide players. Dwight McNeil, obviously, as well, at this moment in time. But... I think it's important we discuss what we sort of see or where we see the improvements that can be made with the the wider players in the shorter term after our first break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. And in terms of attacking, like, like I said, we Everton have struggled at times. Obviously, we had a great performance against Crystal Palace, scored three goals, looked fantastic, created chances, uh, scored, scored three really, really good goals. We see against Fulham, some more consistency again, where we, we didn't look particularly, or we didn't have, have an attacking threat second half. And, you know, a lot of that for me stems from, I, I think players just not being, 
not being brave enough at times and not showing that consistency. In the transfer window, the fact we were linked, we were linked with players like Kudus, as an example, uh, and Mudrik from Shakhtar Donetsk, two, two real quality young players, both done well in the Champions League this season, both have been obviously uh, highly televised and you know, you saw the goal that, that Mudrik scored against Celtic in midweek. What a fantastic goal that was, you know. So, re- real quality plays that we were linked to. And we were on the, on the verge of getting Kudos across the line. So, the manager knows that the final third is a real struggle. And if you put one of those players in there, Everton become a different side. And like you said before, Pete, no Richarlison there is a big loss. And there's never been any... Richarlison's not been replaced. You know, we, we brought in Neil Mope, Dwight McNeil, and there's been no like-for-like replacements for Richardson. Difficult player to replicate, granted, but Akudas, Mudzik, those kind of players, I think could make a real difference. And that's why we were linked to them in the summer, because the manager knows we've got to improve our creative aspect, our creative side. And at the moment, Pete, and Anthony Gordon, Damari Gray, started the season pretty well. We saw against Palace, Anthony Gordon, I thought, was returning to a little bit of form because he's really struggled for me in the, in the last few weeks. Which, listen, I get it. He's a young player. He's learned this trade. I said it last week. The, the, the kid carried us at times last season and got us over the line, in my opinion. It's, it's just, just through sheer effort and work. Right? And we put a lot of pressure on his shoulders last season. So now it's time for him to, to develop and he needs our support. But both him and Demari Gray, they, they struggle, don't they? They have a, have a lack of consistency at times to actually carry a little bit of form from one game to the next. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I partially agree with that. I'd say I, I agree with that 50% because I, I think squad depth has a big role to play as well because, you know, not that I'm saying there's any easy position on, on, on the pitch to play, but I think, for, you know, for those forward-wide players, whether it's in a you know, 4-3-3 or, you know, 4-2-3-1, I think what you're asking of those players over 90 minutes, it's just it's just constant bursts of energy and acceleration, and you know using the ball well and getting us on the front foot. And and sometimes you know particularly when you know you look at uh, the second half against Fulham, how deep we deep we were. Anthony Gordon or Demarvi Gray, they're picking up the ball at the corner of the 18 yard box, and having to run us up the pitch. So I I, I think a valid question is, you know, a valid point. Is ideally we would have more scope to rotate, and I, I don't think either of them would be playing anywhere near as much football as they have been for us. And I, I think, like you allude to, Mike, I think then that starts to have an impact on performances. Um, and you know, maybe there's an argument that it's a bit of a vicious circle. If you, you know you're not on your game, and you're playing in that kind of position, it's you know it starts to affect your game. And I think ideally, you want a big squad where. You can maybe take one one or two of those players out for a little bit, or control the amount of football they're playing for you. And you know, for one reason or another, we're not in that position at the moment. But if you look at what we've done with our midfield three, we've done exactly that, and we've got the ability to bring someone like James Garner on. You know, who can perform at a level, you know, arguably as good as you know Idris Garner. Again, you know, when Garner goes off, you don't find yourself thinking, "Oh no," you think, "Great." James Garner's coming on, and from what we've seen from him so far, he's he's solid. He plays the right passes. You've got confidence in him, and I think sometimes when Anthony Gordon or Demarvi Gray go off, we were discussing last week. Dwight McNeil, he's been a great player for us so far, but he's a different kind of player, 
And I think we're not able to make those sort of like-for-like like swaps at the moment. And again, over time, when we're able to add to our squad, hopefully it will benefit those players as well. But I think just the expectation on two young lads and, you know, the amount of fatigue, the amount of football they're having to play, it's going to start taking a bit of a toll. I think you're right. And I think it's been really easy to predict Everton start 11 over the last few weeks. I mean, it's been that easy on, on the fan club app where you can win a three pints every time you get it right. I've got about a night's worth of ale there and I don't even drink on the app. That's how easy it's been because the, the rotation that you always want to play your strongest side. Of course you do. But when players aren't maybe in form, so as an example, you know, without singling these, these lads out, the Maeve does dip at times. Anthony Gordon does dip at times, and I'm, I'm understanding of the reasons behind that. Like you mentioned, Peter, I think it's a great point. The fact that week in, week out, those two are the ones who will start every single week. You know, Dwight McNeil has started a few games when, he, when he's had to. Obviously, Anthony Gordon has saved a suspension already as well. But those two lads have, be, have basically now have, uh, are our, in our start 11, week in, week out, without the prospect, really, let's, let's let's be honest, of Dwight McNeil coming in. If they're all fit, those two lads start. Now, that is where, obviously, we mentioned about making improvements in the transfer window, where we, we didn't quite get it across the line. Because if, if you're sitting here now with those two lads, with Dwight McNeil, with Kudas, OK, Kudas plays a little bit more central, but he could play wide in that front three if he wants. You know, a, a Mudzik, those kind of players... If you had that kind of quality as well, and you've got four wide players or five wide players, you think, bloody hell, we've, we've got a, an abundance of, of riches here. That also means that players can step up the game. So I, I think I think as well, Pete, when you when we say about them starting week in, week out, and because they've, they've got to, I think complacency can also set in as well because they know they they will start. And I think it's it's really important that we look look to address that. But but Chris, what are your thoughts on it? And do, do you agree with what we what Pete's saying there? Because you know they they're going to be starting every single week because there's really no other option. That's why we're seeing little dips in performances, fatigue, things like that do come into play. Yeah, definitely. And and Pete's right. But who who really have we got to replace them? Yeah, we do have Dwight McNeil. Dwight McNeil, and I'd actually like to see McNeil play a bit more now. Albert Lewin being back. We all know that McNeil's got a good left foot. I'd like to see maybe we, we drop either Gray or Gordon for the game. And I'd like to see McNeil play a bit more on the left because we know he's left-footed. He's very left-footed. And, you know, I'd like to see a bit more of that. And I think he, that could probably help Calvert-Loon if we could get McNeil up, you know, up a bit forward instead of being pushed back so much. But I do agree because, really, if you look at the bench, we've got more mid- more midfielders. Like, back, was it last season, we had more defenders on the bench than we had yeah, any yeah. other position. So now I've we have more midfielders. Chris. We have five goalkeepers yeah, sorry, on the bench yeah. last season. Yeah. Half a dozen goalkeepers, yeah. Um, throw them on as well, we might as well. Um, but we haven't got anyone, really, if you look. And, you know, I mean, yeah, OK, you can people will go and scoff say, oh, about the youth players, but I think we've done the right thing this season and, and given them chances to, to shine under the clubs at a level where they can build themselves to so maybe possibly in the next 12, 18 months break into the first team or be on the fringes of it at least. Yeah, I just think, yeah, they probably are fatigued and and there isn't any, oh, he's going to take my position now. Is there? There's no there's nothing like that. Is that I don't feel, I feel myself, I don't think Gordon and, and uh, Gray feel threatened by Dwight McNeil, personally. And I think that's what they need to feel. You know, you've got to fight, fight for your position. You, you, like you say, you look at the midfield, you look at the fence. 
there's players multiply for the positions that we have now. So they are fighting for the positions when you go further up the field. There's nothing really there to fight for. So you know exactly what happens. Like half arse training, not saying they do, but you know, you have that mentality. You half arse training and then go, oh, I know I'll be I'll be in the squad come Saturday, Sunday. I think I think I'd like to see Dwight McNeil given given the nod in 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 probably a home game. You know, we we've seen yeah. him coming obviously away from home, and I'd like to see him given the nod. Now he's you know after a great cameo against Crystal Palace, where I thought you know obviously scored a great goal, but he, you know he's shown his defensive ability as a, a defensive winger. I'd like to see him now with Dom from the off, like you say, use that left foot, whip, whip some whip some great balls in. You know, play off the right as well. You know, put put them. Keep on switching with whoever else is on the other side, and and look, look to find Dominic Calvert Lewin. He'll throw off those kind of, you know, balls that he can deliver. We we've we've seen him do it. I think he's probably our best corner taker, to be honest. Um, we've seen how well he can strike a ball, especially in the friendly against Dynamo Kiev. Scored a great goal against Southampton, which he caught the ball really well. He's he's a pure striker of a football. And can pick out a man, so I think I think his time will come, and maybe it'll come against Leicester uh, next weekend, which which would be interesting to see how how that plays out. Um, but it gives you a little bit of a different dimension than what a Gordon and Gray, you know, wing wing attack actually actually gives you. Uh, and obviously with the return now of Nathan Patterson, you were fully expect to, to probably get the nod against Leicester. I think you know a, a decent sort of twenty five minutes yesterday on on his return. I think it gives you it gives the side a different dimension yet again because uh, you've got then an attacking fullback behind behind either you know a McNeil Gordon or Gray so that that changes things up but I think you know in January I think we we, we will see assuming the club have got a little bit of, of room there in terms of finances I think we will see movements in the market for for a wide player because I think it changes the side I think if you've like we've said you've got that competition. If you, you've got players then having to sort of, you know, be on the toes and be at, at it all the time. And, uh, you know, we're not, not here to question players' attitudes, but I think when they've got a player behind them or no, they're not as sure to be starting a game. We've said it with other players as well. There's competition in the squad now in certain areas. Midfield is probably, like you said, is, is the key. When you've got, you know, you've got your, your start at midfield three, but you've got James Garner, who made a vital interception yesterday as well, came on. Look, look neat and tidy as he always does. Tom Davis, who when he's played this season, I think has performed particularly well. Abdullah Bakore, who was nailed on to start week in, week out, only probably 12 months ago. You've got three players there waiting to, to come in. So there's competition there. That competition has got to move forward now. You know, Dominic Cavalloon will always start at this moment in time. Dwight McNeil, unlucky, probably maybe not too, but Anthony Gordon and Demari Gray will always start pretty much week in, week out. So we've got to now look to address that situation. But like we say, patience is needed in in, in our, our situation. A lot of work needs to be done in terms of recruitment and bringing the right players in and making us more of an attacking force. I think at home, with the crowd behind them, we play that slightly more open football. Um, whereas we're we're less inclined to when we go away, we're less inclined to go away from home and, and open up at times. When we did open up yesterday and in that first half, especially, we looked a little bit wide open at the back ourselves and looked a bit susceptible to conceding the goal. Um, but it's certainly not that you know, we don't want to sit here and, and knock on Demari Gray and Anthony Gordon because it's it's not, not all on them that we don't we haven't scored a great deal of the goals, but 
we need to, I think, they need to be a little bit braver in the, in the decisions. I mean, even think back, Peter, was it the first half where Don makes a great run and Anthony Gordon gets the ball. Instead of playing it along the floor and playing him in down the channel, he absolutely smashes the ball out of play for a goal kick. Mm. It's little things like that, isn't it, Pete, where it's just decision-making, make the right decision. And, you know, and another example again, second half, Don makes a bit of a decoy run. And he plays the ball to Dom on his wrong foot instead of using him as a decoy coming back inside and getting the shot away. It's fine margins, it's decision making, but that's what we need to get better at between him and Gray, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and look, I've got no, no doubt at all that, that you know the, they're going to be looking at stuff like this in training. And you know the, the squad has been through a lot of changes. Calvert Lewin's only just back in. It's going to take a little bit of time for things to click, isn't it? Um, just going back to what you were saying about you know January and and the window, it's going to be really strange, isn't it? Because a, a couple of half decent news outlets have reported, by all accounts, we are shortlisting attackers for January. But not only will it be a January window, it's going to be a post World Cup window. So if ever you could um, who do a, a window before it's opened, um, there's two fairly bad omens, isn't there? That it's, it's like the, the golden rule of transfers. Don't buy based on World Cup performances and don't buy in January. Uh, and it looks like Everton might have to dip in and try and do a bit of business. But, you know, if, if we can match what we um, what we did in the summer you know, and how well we bought there and, um, you know, how, how well we've looks like to spend differently, you know, hopefully that's a very good omen indeed. Yeah. Indeed, but we'll keep an eye on it. And like you say, Pete, don't don't be bad off the back of the World Cup, that's for sure. That we've seen it done time and again when it goes wrong. Um, but it's it, it will impact the January window. But hopefully, and I'm sure we have Everton will have targets ready and waiting, and hopefully we can get business done fairly early in January for obviously post World Cup matches when the when the games will come thick and fast. But our next game, obviously, Saturday night, Goodison Park, half past five, under the lights. The last last game of Goodison Park before the World Cup break, I might add, which is uh, disastrous in itself. This World Cup is, is interfering heavily with our our domestic football. Um, but listen, money talks, doesn't it? But we won't go any further into that. But last time we go to some Park on Saturday, we're going to discuss that after our, our final break. Welcome back to the final part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. As we look ahead to the visit of it, a much improved Leicester City side, it's got to be said, because they started the season absolutely horrendously. Uh, up to a few weeks ago, people were, were saying, well, Leicester fans were certainly behind a, a campaign to get rid of the, of the minds of Brendan Rodgers. Um, they actually stopped people requesting birthday messages on the border at the King Power Stadium because they, they were basically asking for the minds to leave in, in some way, shape or form. Quite clever, actually. Um, but... They've definitely picked up a bit of form, haven't they? Haven't they, Chris? You know, you, you look at them against Man City this weekend, only off by a goal to nil. You've got James Madison, who's been in good form all season. He, he's a threat. He's obviously vying for a place in the England World Cup squad. Jamie Vardy, always a threat. You know, you've got Dacher and Ianaccio, who are, are always dangerous. For me, it was it was a surprise how Leicester City started the the, the league in a way, but they only brought in one player, didn't they? They lost obviously the goalkeeper in Casper Schmeichel. They brought the sole for Farner to Chelsea, and they brought in fast the, the centre half, and that was all all the deed that they brought in. And 
So as much as it was a surprise, because I think they've got real quality at Leicester. I think they're a really, really dangerous side. They've won plaudits over the last few years for the business that they've done. But it was a bit of a shock, wasn't it, to see them where they were, but probably not as much of a surprise now to see them picking up and improving the form. Yeah, like you, as you say, they, they, they always seem to source out really good youngsters, youngsters don't they, from um, the French League or the Belgium League. And they always seem to, to, to like, find these gems. And, um, yeah, it was just, it's a shock for them, I suppose, for Fauna going. But he say Vass goes in and he, he seems to be quite sturdy and solid at the back. Um, so I don't, I don't think they've lost too much from Fofana. But then, you know, you look at the midfield, as you say, James Madison, Tillersman, who's all of a sudden found his, his scoring boots, hasn't he? And, you know, he scores Wildies. He doesn't score nothing but Wildies when he, you know, when he does score. Um yeah, it was a shock. But then you know, you always think of Brandon Rogers, don't you? Um, after, I think he's like Jose Mourinho. Yeah, he has a really good, solid eighteen months, doesn't he? And then after that, things seem to change. And does he fall out of the squad, or did it? This is something there. Um, it was like that beginning of the season. They, you know, they weren't up to form. They weren't. They didn't look like they were disinterested in, in, in sort of playing really. Um, you know, they they haven't had major injuries. I know Vardy's been out in and out as an Ian Muffet Madison's had a couple. But nothing major, and you know they've managed to keep the the core squad together. So yeah, it was a shock because they have got a solid team. And um, you know, Daka, I, I like Daka. I think Daka was is really good player. I, I thought he was fantastic before they signed him. He was one of the players I wanted Everton to go for. You know, back then. But um, they've got a really good team, and I think now you look at them and against Man City, and uh, City always seem to have this problem with Leicester. It's like their bogey team, don't they? And they do struggle with Leicester now and again. And uh, but they put a really good fight up against uh, City, and it, I mean it, it gives you thinking coming Saturday. You know, I mean, I think if you probably thought a couple of weeks ago, I'd be probably comfortable beat Leicester. Now I think you know we're in for a game on Saturday, and I think they, you know they'll they'll go push us. But um, yeah, I I I think um, Leicester will be okay. I, I don't think they'll go they'll go down this season either. I, but it'll be an interesting game on Saturday against them. Well, I think before they lost, they they won the game against Leeds, sorry, two 0 which was the, you know the twentieth of October. I think before that particular point, you look at the results: drew a home to Crystal Palace nil nil, got beat away at Bournemouth two one, they beat Forest four nil, but then they got they got battered by Spurs six two, battered by Brighton five two, uh, beaten at home by Man United, beaten by Chelsea, beaten at home by Southampton, um, beaten away at Arsenal. And I think they, they threw away a lead, didn't they, against Brentford in the first game of the season? They were two 0 up, and they and they got pegged back to two all. So I think be, you know before that they were against less uh, against Leeds, like you say, you you'd be really in the in the Everton camp thinking they come to Goodison Park after how we performed against Crystal Palace. I fancy us, but they they've definitely definitely turned the corner, and you know they picked up in the, the win against Wolves as much as Wolves are struggling. To go anywhere and win a game by four goals to nil is impressive. But I think they had they have they have five shots on goal and scored four, which added it's a poor goalkeeping performance. So they were just very very accurate shots. Um, you know, they beat, as I say, they beat they've beaten Leeds, um, and they're unforced and, and they, they put them in, in a decent performance against the obviously a, a high flying Man City side as well. Um, so, Pete, it's 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 certainly going to be a game that's going to test Everton. You know, we we've notoriously, we haven't really... I, I, I never like Leicester when they come to Goodison Park. I never have done. The certain sides have never really enjoyed um, coming to Goodison. Jamie Vardy, as I say, is always a threat. 
Tillemans, which Chris alluded to, he, he's a very good player. Um, and it's just, it's one of those games where, for me, Everton, well, we haven't, haven't got to win the game. But I think we've got to certainly get something from the game and, and look to take, I think, take the game to Leicester a little bit and not sit not sit too far back. So, you know, we need to try and replicate that Palace performance, don't we? Definitely. I, no, I think it's going to be a test of our mentality because there's a lot at stake here. If you look at the, the, the table, what's strange about Leicester, they've won the same amount of games as we. Mm. Problem is that no one's lost more games than them. Yeah. But if they exactly. beat us, if they beat us, they go level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, depending on how many goals they win, by they go above us if they win. So it shows you how, how tight the table is and how, I mean, the, the, the bottom half of the table with us sitting 12th where, where we are at this moment in time, three points behind Leicester, we were, we were 18. You know, it's, it's very, very tight, Pete, isn't it? Definitely. Well, exactly. That You'd think they'd be coming coming to our place thinking, one, we can win this, and two, if we do, we're going to leap halfway up the table. Mm-hmm. So, look, I'm not saying play, play for a draw. I, th- I think you always play to win, especially at home, and we've got enough to beat them. But it's it's the kind of game we, where we could, I guess we could lose it ourselves. We could make it hard for ourselves if we don't approach it in the right way. Which is that we've got to get on the front foot quickly. We've got to be aggressive, you know. We've got to use the crowd. And I think we, you know, we, we can't allow ourselves if if we do go a goal down, or you know, if if Leicester are just sitting behind the ball and we, you know, we're struggling to get forward or put things together, we can't get frustrated. We we can't throw the game away ourselves because, I'm not saying it's ours to lose. But I, I think we can make it more difficult for Leicester because they're, they're really struggling to keep clean sheets. You know they, they've lost they lost to Michael obviously. I don't know about you, Mike. I know you're you're a goalkeeper. I don't think much of their keeper at all. Um, I've seen quite a few few of their games this season, and I, I just think he's really really poor. I don't think he's Premier League level at all, Danny Ward. Um, and I think we can really get at them. It's, and it, you know it's, you'd think tailor made for Calvert Lewin. Well, I, I think you're right. And I, I was very, very surprised in regards to Danny Ward that he didn't look to replace Casper Schmeichel. Now, I know they've, they said they've got financial issues and they couldn't do a great deal, hence why they sold for Farna for, for so much money and, and they had to let him go. But I was very surprised when you lose, you know, a player like Casper Schmeichel, who's been a mainstay, who's been a fantastic player for them. Um, you know, for, for me, as he got older, he got better. You know, we were very much like his dad in terms of how he looked when he, when he saved his shot and, you know, his style and things like that. And I'm so surprised that he's he's gone. Has he gone, gone across to Nice, hasn't he, in France? He's, he's, he's getting ripped apart, apparently, by in terms of um, the, the home fans and not impressed with him whatsoever, thinking he's unprofessional and, and what have you. And it, it baffles me because I think he's a very good goalkeeper. But when you don't replace somebody at a particular level, it will always come back to bite you in, in the backside. But I think Danny Ward's probably felt that pressure a little bit, you know, c- coming in. You know, from from the cold almost to to becoming the number one goalkeeper at Leicester, after you you you're replacing somebody who was held in such high esteem as as Casper Schmeichel. So I think maybe a little bit of stage fight with him, but he certainly didn't start the season well at all. He looked absolutely horrendous, and I've, some of the decisions he was making were just they were just comical at times. And you know, I think he's probably settled a little bit now. To be honest, I think he's now probably become a bit more accustomed to being their number one goalkeeper. But listen, we've got to test them. We've got to test them. One thing that we don't do, Everton, is is, is take many shots from distance. Getting around 18, 20 yards, get, get a shot off, you know, put them under pressure. 
he brought two and two's come back in from the cold as well. I think that was his first start yesterday for a long, long time against Manchester City. You know, uh, Fass who they brought in apparently has started the season well. He's he's, he's a good a good centre half, but the centre have these these three three centre halves. So there's no reason why we can't obviously put Dom Central and our two wide players get in behind the the wing backs. I mean, I think James Dust, uh, Justin and Timothy Castagna were the two who played against Man City. So they sort of play like a, like a 3-4-3, three, three. but you know, Justin and Castagna are the ones who are going to look to push on. So the, the gaps are there. I mean, Tarkowski numerous times yesterday tried that diagonal to Demari Gray to, to drop it in. It worked a couple of times. We've seen it in previous games. If full-backs want to push on, that's great for Everton because that's when you can use Anthony Gordon and Demari Gray to good effect. Um, so we, we've, got to, we've got to be aware of that and where, and where the spaces are, but also be mindful that you know, Jamie Vardy is, is a pain. Harvey Barnes, I think, is a quality player for them. James Madison started the season very well. So you've got to be aware of those kind of players. But midfield, you've got to win it. Tielemans, uh, Dewsbury Hall for them, both quality players. The three lads in the middle have got to win that midfield battle. It's vital that we do. Um, but I think it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be a really entertaining game. I've got to be honest, I don't think I don't think either side will look to take a step back. I don't think Leicester will be coming to play for a draw. I think they'll be looking to try and, you know, they probably built a bit of confidence in recent weeks. And they're thinking, well, before this World Cup break, we've got to look to, to get ourselves out of the bottom three. Because in terms of building confidence and from a, a mentality perspective, if you're on the bottom three and we break for the World Cup, that sits on your mind for six weeks. If you can pull out of that, even by a point or two, that's big psychologically. So I think that'll be on Leicester's mind as well. But I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, I think it'll be be a really, a really decent decent game of football. I've got to be honest. But um, as I say, last time I got to some part before before we we shut things down for the, for the World Cup. Um, what are you confident, Chris? Do you, do you think we can go and go win that game? Might add that Danny Ward's a national treasure here in Wales. May I add? Is he going to World Cup, Chris? I imagine so. Who else? Wales really haven't got much to take with them, have they? You know, I mean, I think, I think, I think, Big never get a game of uh, Danny Ward to be honest. Hey, for sidesteps here before we go to the result, what we think is going to be the score. The, the, the Neville documentary, the BBC, you're going to be putting out. Um, looks so far from what the trailer does, looks quite good. So yeah, I've, yeah, anyone who's not seen the um, the, the montage and the, and the trailer for that about Big Never looks looks really impressive. Obviously, we we, we know so much about him, we we've read so yeah. much, we've, we've seen so much. But is it BBC Wales that's going to be out on Chris? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. They haven't given a date yet, though. I've, I've, I've obviously seen it sort of be thrown around thrown around on their social media, so I haven't really yeah. seen a date for it yet. But something to look forward to if you know if you're a Wales fan or an Evertonian or just in general want to watch someone who's one of the best. You know, goalkeepers ever. As um, long as you can stomach uh, Ian Rush making an appearance, because why? Why we be, be found the need to get a, a cop out on there is, is beyond me. I know he's Welsh and all that, but come on, we, we've got is he Welsh that. though? Is he Welsh? Doesn't sound Welsh to me. Well, the, the, the records show that he is um, in terms of his goal scored, but yeah, he, yeah. He, he makes he makes an appearance. But, but yeah, but you know, are you confident, Chris? Do you, do you think that you know? Let, let's test the your. Um, your cult and your national hero, Danny War, wherever we can. Um, yeah, I think we can. I think we're a different opposition, aren't we? When we're, we're under the lights of Goodison, and then, as you said, it's the last game before the World Cup. 
And I think we really, I think we we're all going to be wanting to, you know, to get three points. You know, I mean, if we can finish the game and and play like we did against Palace or even better, I think we're obviously going to have to work a lot harder against Leicester than we did against Palace. But if we can, you know, grind result there and and finish, you know, the semi break on a high with three points and we're looking up, not looking down. I, I think that's that's great. And that's positive going forward then for our next game. I think is it is it Boxing Day when we return? Or was it the week before? Yeah, so the next game of Goodison is is Boxing Day. So obviously we've got a couple of couple of trips to the south coast against Bournemouth, haven't we? Um, before yeah. before okay. the season closes. But yeah, so last game of Goodison until Boxing Day. I, I'm 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 positive. I, you know, I mean, Leicester, as you say, it, it's they are on a bit of a high. They've they've obviously found the form. As you both, all three of us have said, they've got you know excellent players, but you know coming to Goodison is is totally different now. It's not like it was last season where people were players were panicking or scared to make a pass per se. You know we were solid now, and I, I think I think that, you know they're going to feel the pinch as well because they're having to look up. I mean, they obviously they want to catch up with everyone else and try and get three points before the World Cup starts and what have you. But we're a different team now, and I think I mean. I think we'll be more confident in getting something out of this, and I'd, I'd be a bit more. I think I'd be disappointed if we didn't get three points. Personally, Pete, do you agree with Chris? You're going for a for a home win. I am. I'm going to give you a very detailed prediction. So <laughs> we're going to we're going to win two one. We're going to go two 0 up in the first half through Calvert Lewin and a, a James Tarkovsky he- header, and then it's going to be a nervy second half. We'll let Leicester get one back, and we'll see it out for three points. One of these days, Pete, your predictions will be absolutely spot on. <laughs> to the letter, goal scorers, type of goal, the works. Um, I, I think it'd be a little bit more comfortable, I've got to be honest. I think I, I can see Everton 3-1, and it'll surprise people because I, we're not massive goal scorers, but I just think after what I saw against Crystal Palace, the fact, obviously, we are at home, the fact it's under the lights, so we've got this this bit of mystique about it, hasn't it, Goodison Park, when the uh, the floodlights are on, it's it's dark, it's, you know, winter's setting in. Um, it brings out the best in Everton, and I think the atmosphere will be will be spot on because obviously it's the last time we'll be there for quite quite a number of weeks. So I, I think Everton three one, I really do. Um, I think I, we can see it, can see a Connor Cody breaking his his Goodison Park duck officially, although he scored the Merseyside derby and it shouldn't really be ruled out. But we'll um, I, I think Connor Cody will be on the score sheet, so don't be surprised. And Alex will be will uh, he'll be on there as well. But hopefully. It's it's a good effort win and a good performance and and it keeps keeps things ticking over and before we go into that that final league game of the uh, the, the first almost half of the Premier League season, um, but that's us for this week. Chris, appreciate you coming on at, at, at late notice today. Um, a great that's fine. taking some time out on it on a Sunday evening to speak to me and Pete. Uh, much honestly, much appreciated. Appreciate enjoy coming on and, and speaking about the Blues. You mean it was over that, and I'm I'm watching terrible horror films with my kids, so <laughs> got me a break away from it. So, exactly. yeah, exactly. That gives you a break from the kids. Always, always good. Always important. Yeah. Um, well, that is us for this week. So we will we'll be back after Leicester. So we'll be back next uh, next Sunday to look back on on that that last home game that was in par for quite a while and look ahead to the uh, the double the double travel week to. Uh, to the south coast and if you are going down there I'd probably get a hotel for a few days to be honest and instead of travelling about eight hours back um, I'd, be, I'd be staying down there myself but we will catch you then The Unholy Trinity Podcast Three Blues 
Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.